Welcome to Modern Aikidoist Podcast. Before we start, I want to thank everyone who has supported the show, and in particular those of you who have contributed to the PayPal tip jar. Of course, the likes, subscribes, and shares help a great deal as well. I enjoy bringing you this content, and the contributions help cover the expenses for doing so. I've had a wonderful time chatting with the people on these shows, so much so that I would like to have them back for further conversations. As you listen, if there are any questions or topics you would like to hear us discuss, please post up a note in the comments or send me them directly. I'll pick the best ones and we'll cover them in future episodes. Another way you can get more content is to join the Spirit Aikido online program. There are currently more than 130 videos in the program, with new ones being added every few days. Subscribers get access to video training and mentoring to techniques and training methods that I've adopted from other martial arts to make my Aikido more practical. In the most recent series of videos, I cover weaponizing a couple of standard Aikido techniques, as well as provide some alternate finishes for Tenshinage. There's a link to the program in the description. I invite you to check it out. Now, on with the discussion. One last thing I want to say before we get started. At the beginning, I mispronounced Ryon's name as Rion, so I apologize for that. So with no further ado, let's get on with the interview. I'm very excited to welcome uh, Rion Fujiwara, is that your wrestling name? Uh, yeah. To Modern Aikido's podcast. Uh, I know you joined our forum a while back, a year, so ago, a year and a year and a half or so ago, and had some great stuff to say. So it's really, I'm really excited to have you on today. Oh, awesome. Thank you. I uh, really enjoyed, I haven't listened to a whole lot of them, but I have listened to the Ellis one with mm -hmm. uh, Bruce Goldwyn and yeah. Bruce Goldwyn as well. And I enjoyed both. They were really good. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was really, really were great discussions. It. And I'm loving these, these uh, some people call them interviews, but to me, they just seem like we're sitting around having a conversation. So yeah. uh, I really dig that part. Well, cool. And we're going to get to some listener questions too. Uh, we had a number of them come in once I announced that you were going to be coming on. And, and ah, want to hear i want to hear this or i want to hear that so we're definitely going to get to some interesting interesting questions uh but i wanted to start out <clears throat> because as i understand it you you trained primarily at at uh hambu dojo the aikikai hambu dojo is that right I, yeah i um when i was a university student here in japan mm -hmm. my university was right next to tada sensei's dojo hiroshi tada mm -hmm. it was ninth then okay and i was training with him for about four years, and he's uh, like uh, he's an amazing master. Mm. Just like he's like you know took Ukemi directly for O Sensei, uh, and he's very out there because he talks a lot about the universe and all these concepts that even his high grade high ranking Japanese students don't understand, and they freely will tell you that we have no idea what he's actually talking about. <laughs> he's very eccentric, but. He's, he's, he's like the definition of a real shihan. Mm. But as I was getting into my third or fourth years with him, I realized that no, as good as this guy is, it's not really what I'm looking for. Mm. And I kind of almost decided really to jack in, I, you know, give it up mm. because I had done uh, karate for so long when I was a kid, taekwondo before that. I missed the kicks, but I missed, I missed like this, you know, that your, your techniques mean something when you do them. Mm. Like when you kick, you kick for a reason, you know, when you punch, you punch for a reason kind of thing. I really miss that. And there was a, 
the tw- I think it was the eighth, eighth or twelfth. I'm not, I'm not sure. Eighth, eighth, eighth international Aikikai Congress. And it was held in Tanabe, down south of Japan, in 2008. And my friend from Australia, my Aikido friend, came out. And I told him, look, man, I'm kind of basically, I'm going to jack it in, but I'm going to go down to this Congress because you're here. You know, we'll get on the beers at nighttime. We'll run, we'll run amok and we'll get, on the, we'll get on the mats half hungover. And we'll just go and have some fun. And three days into it, I was kind of like, yeah, this, this, is, this sucks. This is, this is how I thought it was going to be. You know, like, and with these kind of, I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with the, these congresses, these, it's probably about 2,000 people from all over the world. Okay. I've heard of them, but I've never attended one. Right. And it's kind of like, it's, you know, it's so funny to see like, you know, the French ones walking around like strutting their stuff. You know, and then the Brazilians with all their badges down here, like they're doing BJJ. You know, it's so it's so funny from a, a cultural aspect to see different. You know, you meet a lot of really cool people mm-hmm. at these events, but I was kind of like done with Aikido until I saw Yoshiaki Yokota Shihan. Now he's a Hombu Dojo Shihan, and when I saw this guy throw a sidekick, and later on in uh, Jujutsu Amba, I was like, whoa. Mm. Holy, this is this is the guy I'm looking for. And I quit Tada Sensei's dojo the minute I got back to Tokyo. And I joined uh, Yokota Sensei's training in Hombu. And for the last 12 years, I may have done about 10 classes with other teachers in in so let maybe not even one per year with the other Hombu teachers, just Yokota Sensei. And I just dedicated my training to just you know being like this guy because like, he gets it mm-hmm. he really gets it because he come from a background of judo and karate right mm-hmm. so he really gets it that you know aikido can be a martial art yeah I, and that's something that you gave me a very strong impression of when you started posting up in the forum and i really like that i because i i view my own impression of aikido that way to me it's got to be practical well-rounded it's got to be uh, useful. Uh, it's not just a choreography or just a, a small subset of, of techniques. Right. And right. that's what I was curious about. Do you find that your views are kind of welcomed over there? But you kind of answered that in the fact that there's a Shihan that has that attitude within Hambu Dojo that you were drawn to. So it, it clearly can't be that there's like a rift between the people that want to have a practical martial art approach to Aikido versus a spiritual or a um, you know, in it for something else, some other other aspect. Well, y- Yokota Sensei um, can do both. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he was known in his younger days for uh, not I wouldn't say being rough, but being like a legit ass kicker. Mm-hmm. There are stories like um, he had to go to to Russia in the early nineties to spread Aikido to a place that had no Aikido. Mm-hmm. And he was getting these big judo guys coming along. And he, he told me, he told me like the minute one of them tried to stop him or to, you know, to try to be, you know, a bit funny, it was like, let's get to the eyes. Mm-hmm. Or he, there's, there's stories of him. Um, he's broken a couple of collarbones from people who have tried to stop him. He's not rough in that, but I guess in his younger days, yeah, he was kind of a little bit of a legit ass kicker. Sure. There are stories of him going around 
of fighting the the lower ranking yakuza in Shinjuku mm. in Tokyo here and when he was younger and some of them having to come to Hombu and say look look your guys your guys out of control stop him I think but there was in his younger days he's he's in every definition uh, the the definition of a true shihan but he's also not so popular with the general ombudojo public mm. i remember when i first started going he was like having like six or seven people in his class mm. compared to 40 or 50 on the mats for the other ones like someone like uh, a miyamoto sensei who is like the polar opposite i'm not sure if you're familiar with him but he's no, very no. much like you grab here you hold on hard you try to move their center and it's very slow and then at the very end it's powerful Mm. Yokota sensei is like just grab me attack me um and i'm moving and he's like a ghost mm. and that's what really drew me because when i take ukemi for him all i do is uh attack him 100 purely mm-hmm. and i just let him do the rest whereas some of the other shihana and I, i'm not trying to speak ill of them but i grab them or i attack them and i'm like oh okay what do i do now oh he wants me to move this way Mm-hmm. I would have, okay, and I've been in situations. I will drop one name, um, Yasuno Shihan, who's since uh, left Hombu because of his time, as his age time is up. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget once I took Ukemi for him in the middle of the class, and I didn't react the way he wanted me to. Mm-hmm. If you have a look at some of his YouTube videos, you'll see that he's got this very unique style, I'll say, where he likes to like push theatrically i'll say okay and um and i didn't get it i was only a need i was not the time and i didn't fall the way that he fell and he ridiculed me in front of the entire hombudojo class who is this guy why can't you take ukemi and i wanted to say to him like you know what you he was like you know i don't know your style you should be out of you're a shihan you're an you i think he was eighth then mm-hmm. you're eighth then shihan you should be able to throw anybody you know, mm-hmm. and I mean, I'm taking uh, Ukemi regularly for Yokota Sensei, so I'm no slouch when it comes to you know Ukemi. Mm-hmm. So I'm at, that's a couple of experiences that I've had where I just I'm just gonna stick with with my guy, and if no one comes, no one comes. You know, like but I, I would say no one. No, go ahead. I Sorry, his classes are fifty percent of the rest of the regular homebrew. Like Doshu's classes are, you you can't move. Like there's mm-hmm. literally centimeters between you and the next p- people. Right. Right. The Koro Sensei, we have a lot of room. We maybe get at the on a Monday night, maybe 30 people. Mm-hmm. Whereas Doshu will get 60 to 70. Yeah. Yeah. I think anybody that's been been in Aikido long enough and you get it up to Shodan or into the Udancha ranks and you wind up being Uke for an, a senior instructor or something, you run into that, that experience. I know I have. And initially you feel like, well, boy, I didn't read his read the instructor's mind well enough to know what you know but as i thought about it more i thought really what that is is i don't know their choreography yes exactly and 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 that's you know i initially you kind of beat yourself up a little bit like i i need to be more educated i need to be and then you think well again just like you like this is a senior instructor this is sixth seventh eighth don and they don't they can't operate outside their choreography or the or the you know the expected dance that that they're supposed to do and and I, I kind of that's the conclusion I came to after having it had done a number of times because I mean I wanted to be the right uke for the instructor to show the technique they wanted to show 
but they didn't give instruction exactly on what to do. A lot of times I got it, you know, but those times that you don't, you feel like, well, this is something weird going on here. Um, right, right. But but yeah, I, I agree with you. It's it does seem right. that that same way. Um, but uh, did you? So I, I guess that answers another question that I wanted to have: is do you find other like minds that are encouraged by your approach? Uh, that want to train with you and want to train with that instructor, but you said the classes are those classes are pretty small. Um, I would say, in my time in Hombu, I was very fortunate that the very first class at Hombu, I'm sitting down the back because you know you, your first time in in this class, you don't want to just jump to the front. You kind of mm -hmm. hide in the back a little bit and just kind of you know you want to feel out. And I saw this this wiry guy uh bold that kind of jason statham look mm -hmm. i sort of just dart to the front and his stretches in my very first class were like this guy you could tell that he'd one he'd been there a long time two he was like your quarter sensei's top guy he was a white guy he was an american and, uh, and i kind of just I, I started looking at him and i could see straight away the difference between this this guy dj his name is and um he's from chicago and the rest of the group. So I kind of had a look and cut a long story short, he became one of my best friends and my, my senpai. And this is a guy with like five black belts um, who kind of basically told me, taught me how to be a martial artist. Mm. And I think this is this whole idea of like this uh, senpai kohai, like senior junior relationship in Japan, it's so, so big in every aspect of society, but it seems to be lost in Aikido, hmm. there are not many legitimate senpai kohai. I was so lucky because senpai kohai comes from, it also goes off the mats. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, how you doing kid, you know, come over for dinner, you know, and gen genuinely trying to build a relationship where, you know, you're so close to each other that when it's time to train, like he, he picked me apart. Mm -hmm. And no matter how much I know right now, I know that he since has, has gone back to America but I know that the minute I train with him, no matter how much I know now, he will still pick me apart because he's got that much level of experience and everything I know, he taught me. And he taught me, he was kind of like the, the translator for Yakota Sensei, right? Whereas like when Sensei was saying something, DJ would say like, oh, well, he really means this. This is what he means. Mm -hmm. And this is how you do the applied thing. This is how you do, this is, this is the nice Aikido. This is the applied thing. The applied technique and can you see that and in karate it's just like this like your quarter sensei does this karate is this you know and and he was the one guy really the only one guy in the entire dojo who got that there are a couple of other really legitimate serious like ass kickers as well but in in general i found someone like me who who has done a lot of other martial arts and and can see that there's so much more than just the outside that curriculum that they have mm -hmm. There's DJ and then there's another guy that came along who became my best friend as well. And he was a former um, military police officer from Serbia. And he was responsible for finding people who ran away from the military and hauling them Serbers, back. Okay. In murders in Serbia. You can imagine like these Serbian guys, they don't want to go back to the military. Right. 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 They'll do anything they can. Mm -hmm. And he was responsible for it. And he told me like, he's, he's a Yondan. He got his Yondan a few months just before me. Um, who's saying his name is, and he told me that Aikido 100% works. Mm -hmm. he, he used it in the field. 
getting deserters. Um, he's also like a, a, and this is the common the common thing, and I'm sure it might be a good uh, segue into another question. But these two guys and another few ones that I've come across, they all cross trained, mm-hmm. right? They all cross trained. Hussein is a grappler and he's a kendo guy, and he's also tang kendo, which is like the short kendo stick, right? Mm-hmm. And DJ, as I said, has five black belts. So we have this, the three of us, this common idea that you can't just have Aikido by itself. You must, because like Aikido is like a finishing art, I I believe, right? And you you notice back in the day when O-sensei made it open that people coming from other arts, like kendo guys came in, judo guys came in, and they're like, wow, there's something here that I've been missing in my training, Mm -hmm. you know? And you know, I'm going to stick around like this way. Shiba guy, he's, he's got something. And Kano, right. Kano Jigoro would send his top guys, mm-hmm. right? His top judo guys. And he would say like, this is the guy that you need to learn from. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think that if you only do the basic syllabus of, or syllabi of, of the Aikikai or whatever Aikido that you're doing, you kind of, what's the word? You're, you're, you're putting yourself into a, a very small corner Mm-hmm. when really there's so much more out there that you can bring into your Aikido, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've wondered about that for a long time about, you know, if you're an instructor and you have basically like finishing school, if, if O-sensei kind of was that, and you, you had students coming to you that were already high ranked, they already had a lot of experience in other, other arts that had different, their own subsets of techniques and whatnot, your curriculum wouldn't reteach them the stuff they already know how to do you would have a curriculum made up of the rest of the things that are not there now what happens when you bring a brand new person in who's never done any martial art from day one and now you you teach them without that prerequisite understanding of those other things and i think i I don't know how if or rather even if osensei even addressed that ever or any of his students ever addressed it you know, maybe right. it's a topic that never got brought up. Well, you know, we got all these judo guys that do these great hip throws. We're not teaching any hip throws. And now we get, right. you know, Joe Beginner. <laughs> he doesn't know how to do it. Right. Um, and so there's really two ways to solve the problem. One is either you bring that stuff into your curriculum for those people that don't have it, or you send them down the street to go train in judo and then, you know, do the cross train. I think either one is perfectly valid. Um, I, I don't think... You know, I know a lot of Aikido people resist the, well, we don't want to have any influence from that. We don't want to have any influence from that. We don't want to bring any of this stuff in-house. But they also aren't too keen about having people go cross-train somewhere else. But I think we both understand everybody has at least got a basic comprehension that a, a complete martial artist needs to know how to do a lot more than just one specialized thing. Mm-hmm. And I know that's what I want for my own art. And you know, I, I would like it to be under the Aikido umbrella because I love the strategy. I love the approach. I love the maturity that it, it breeds. Although the more that I've trained with high level people from other arts, that maturity is not unique to Aikido. Mm-hmm. I've met wrestlers, boxers, all kinds of combatives people that have the same, I don't want to use any, any more force than I need to, to solve a problem. I'd like to do it elegantly. I'd like to do it without harming myself or the other person if I can do that like that's unless you're a knuckle dragging goon and there's not a lot of knuckle draggers in the martial arts in general they Mm -hmm. tend to have tend to share that same benevolent attitude like and they don't none of them want to get into a fight unless they absolutely have to like you know there's a few teaches us to to be humble Mm -hmm. to um you know 
to it teaches us hopefully to to learn how to fight properly mm-hmm. oh and yeah like you say like the one thing i will notice and i i i don't want to sound too negative but i find that you know like i i'm i'm grappling a lot these days and I, just yesterday i i rolled with a a professional mma fighter mm-hmm. and this kid is 24 years old he's a pro and he was so humble like oh thank you so much for that thank you so much for that and i i kind of really wish that that we had a little bit more of that in aikido i, I agree find that, um the ones like ourselves that kind of that have been out and, and have seen the real world and what other martial artists can do we tend we tend to be the most humble yeah the ones but there are a lot of uh I don't want to, I don't know how to, there are a lot of, I'll be, I'll be honest with you straight up. Mm-hmm. A lot of ignorant people yeah. on the Aikido Totami um, who believe in going very slow and at the very end, throwing you as hard as they can, mm-hmm. which is in my philosophy, the complete opposite, right? Exactly. The Aikido is just a nice little throw at the end. It's, it's what we need to do to get to that position, mm-hmm. you know, to, uh, to, to wonder, you know, wonder if things work or not, but, yeah, sorry. What was your what was your question? Oh no, actually, you brought up a great point about the humility part, and I and I wanted to throw in something there, and because I agree, I've I've seen the same thing. I used to compete in full contact arts, uh, full contact sparring art for like twenty five years. So I competed wow. in tournaments and things like that. What, what and what I found is there are a few people that are jerks in the competitive realm, but the vast majority of them are humble. Yeah, I did find that competing made you humble. You yeah, could sure. not be arrogant. You bring arrogance into competition and you will get smoked. Will, and you will find somebody that is going to straighten your attitude out real quick. Mm-hmm. And what I found was that the humility was not only self-focused to realize that you don't know as much as you think you do, but it was also in saying, wow, I just saw what you did. That's amazing. I want to learn from you. Like that's where the humility clicks in where you say, I, I want to show, I want you to show me that or, or, or you have the reverse comes. Somebody says, hey, you just did that technique really great. Can you show me? And you say, yeah, I'll take some time with you. I'll, I'll try to share what I know with you. Like that, that is a bond within competitors that I think a lot of Aikido people that warm a little too much, warm up a little too much to the don't ever compete competition's a bad thing. They, they, they really throw the baby out with the bathwater because yeah. I found some of the best friendships I had was in competition, even with people that are better, were better than I was. And I would drive across the country to get my ass kicked by these people, mm-hmm. but it was so, I would learn so much. I would enjoy it. Um, and not because I'm some kind of a masochist or something, but because I knew I was going to learn, I was going to walk away with something that I did not have before. And my experience there led me to one other observation about Aikido. And that is, it's not about the precision of the technique. And I'm sure you know this as a competitor as well. There's a glue that holds the the techniques that you know how to do together. When you have to apply those things against somebody who has a will to dominate you, and you have the mindset to outwit them, to execute a better strategy, to adapt when your plan doesn't work, all of that stuff is outside the realm of how precise is my footwork, how good is my range control, how good is my precise as my technique or powerful as my technique, even to the point you had, which is perfect, is it's not how hard you have the guy hit the ground. It's how quickly you take control and how, how you keep it. 
Right. Then once you have it, you can be as benevolent as you want. Um, but you know, I, my experience as well, sorry, on that point, I found that a lot of people that I've trained with, um, I, and my experiences, I can only tell you from, from training at Hombu Dojo, but this is with, with um, Japanese and non-Japanese, is that the minute that, let's just say you, 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 you take them very fast and, you then, and then you throw them very slow, they also take that for weakness. And really? to me, that, yeah, yeah. They to me, that's just kind of that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So I just kind of gave up on, on being Mr. Nice Guy, and you know, sure. You know, you know it also it. occurred to me pretty recently that that is the reason why Steven Seagal's Aikido is so well suited to the movies, because right, right. it is very visually uh, uh, powerful to see somebody going in this huge, powerful throw with a powerful end. And, you know, all the martial arts up until that point on the silver screen tended to be super fast. Whether you go back to Bruce Lee, uh, you get Jackie Chan's incredible athletics and, and his gymnastic uh, flair for the martial arts. And then there was uh, just countless ones. Jeff Speakman, you know, there was, but, but speed was everything. But there's a limit to how, how speed is, attracts the eye when it comes to just the aesthetic of it seeing a, a, a body go flying through the air. I mean, that is like movie magic all day long. And so, you know, to me, that's where those huge throws, which in my opinion, from a self-defense standpoint, those huge throws are not terribly practical, but taking no. control of somebody's balance immediately and, and basically crushing them to the ground would be, but that wouldn't be as attractive looking in a movie screen. Like, like you say, it's, it's all about how it looks. It's, it's right. style over substance, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm the complete opposite, 100%. I'm, I'm the same way, too. In fact, you know, I, I had a mentor who uh, was a competitor, and he, he liked the substance and the style. In fact, he, intimidation was one of his big things. He wanted to make sure that by the time the, that tournament rolled around, everybody that there was there knew that he was going to win it. And that, to me, was his, that, that intimidation was the style part. And he would, he would express that very strongly. And I liked the opposite. I liked kind of like having the, the sleeper car that looked like a jalopy and it was rusted out, but it had a nitrous yeah. system in it and it would just blow the doors off everything. So I like the surprise, but this is so much why I like seeing different people's personality come out when they're on the mat or when they're competing, because you see what's, what they're really about. And the, the people that were posers that could strut around and, and talk a big game. And then when it came time to deliver, they had nothing, you know, it was all just talk. And, and to me, that was the, the beauty part of competing. And the beautiful part about the mat is on the mat, you cannot hide who you really are. Like no matter what, how much you try to fake it, you can't fake it. You, you see what everybody's about. One thing that, uh, the three of us, me, Hussein, and DJ, always say, is that the tatami never lies. That's a great phrase. I'm stealing that one. The tatami, the tatami never, never lies. lies, and it doesn't. And that's not just with your technique. Mm -hmm. It never lies because it reflects on who you really are. You can't. You can't lie to anybody else, and you can't lie to yourself. Right. Because no matter how hard you think like, you know, you're doing the nice soft thing and then you're being a bit of a, you know, an asshole at the end and throwing hard, you know, deep down inside, these people know deep down inside that, you know, this is, this is 
just an art of Aikido is that they, I, I don't want to say they know that I don't want to say that they, they know that the techniques don't work, but I think they realize that there's a whole lot more to executing a technique than just throwing hard. But especially at Hongbo Dojo, where you start the practice, there's zero talking and you finish. It's a hundred miles an hour. There's not much learning going on. All you want to do is make sure that you don't look stupid in front of your partner mm-hmm. and that you execute the techniques somewhat okay, you know, so that you can keep going, you know, and, sure. and this is, this is one of the problems I have with Hombu is that there's a, there's a, a whole lot of uh, demonstrating, but there's not a whole lot of teaching right. going on. You, you look and the whole, the whole, the Japanese way of teaching martial arts has always been, you know, teacher teaches, student doesn't get it. Student goes to senpai, senpai teaches, right? The senior. Mm-hmm. But that's also kind of been lost at Hombu. That's why I was so fortunate to have a great senpai, you know, in DJ who, who really got that. And, and he taught me stuff like, you know, when, in, in the summertime, when Yokota sensei finishes class, like, you know, you mm-hmm. hold his key while he goes and has a shower, you know, and, and take, take all the bookend down to the first floor and that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I, I come back to the point of this whole, you know, it's so super important to, to have this kind of senior figure in your life who can kind of guide you on the, you know, just the way to go. Yep. Yeah. And I think that teaching the technology of teaching has come a long way since the forties, fifties, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, we're figuring out ways that people learn better and learn quicker, more efficiently, more effectively. And I think it comes back to what you mentioned earlier, which is that, that senpai kohai relationship, although it's, I find because I have an independent dojo, I can kind of create the culture that that I would like to see. And the, what I usually do with students is say, you are responsible for all the students that are junior to you. You have to, you have a certain amount of ownership. If they go up and they show poorly, I'm going to be looking to you. And so when they when they take those people on as their as their kohai, kind of same kind of relationship, there's a certain about a burden that goes on, all right, you, you advanced far enough. Now you take responsibility for those beneath you, as well as your own training, where you are responsible for advancing yourself. So your mind, really your circle of influence needs to go beyond just your own self. It goes to the other people within the dojo. And, you know, it's one thing to have people show up and sweep and clean the bathrooms and, you know, tidy up and take garbage out and stuff like that. That's all impersonal. It's good attention to the dojo. Don't get me wrong, but when that same level of attention or greater is put on each other, where we're there to make each other better. To me, that's where you start getting a lot of learning. And I, and I, people, they don't have enough time. We don't, we can't train eight, 10, 12 hours a day, six, six days a week. You know, we have to make a lot of the few hours a week that we have. And to me, this is one way to do it is to bring in that ownership that everybody's there for everybody else in addition to ourselves. And, and that's where, you know, I've seen of martial arts of every stripe, not just Aikido, but I've seen people, Come in, quietly put on their 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 gear, go out, train, get get changed back in the regular clothes, and they leave. Like there's no engagement, student to student, no camaraderie. Um, and I think that that camaraderie is a great benefit, not just to learning, but of wanting people to wanting get, having people to be wanting to be part of that community, like attracting them to it. Um, mm. It's not a sterile thing. I remember visiting a dojo uh, a number of years ago. And I walked in and it felt like I just walked into a church. Like nobody would speak above a whisper. Um, you know, once class started, you did not utter a word that only the instructor would speak. It was, you know, and I left and I was like, well, I was kind of glad to visit beautiful dojo. I mean, it looked like the Japanese embassy, but 
in terms of spirit or soul, like it was hollow. I might as well have been in a room, an empty room, you know? Um, and I, and I was, was like, wow, I'm glad that's not my only option for Aikido. Cause I don't know if I would want to go back there. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and I've heard there are other places like that too. You know, other places I've visited have been more congenial, um, you know, somewhere of the, well, you don't know our choreography, obviously, because you're not behaving like all of our UKs are doing, you know, and, and so it's, it's a little odd, but like you, when I would travel for competition, I'd love seeing somebody from another area. I'd love to see the stuff that they did that I've never seen before, or I've never done before. Um, you know, it was just a, such a great learning experience. And I'd like to see Aikido have a little bit more of that eager curiosity versus the slight arrogant superiority or arrogant superiority thing. And mm -hmm. uh, from what I've seen, it kind of goes in ups and downs throughout the years. It'll kind of surge for a little bit and then it'll subside and there'll be curiosity and then it'll kind of surge again and kind of go back and forth, but it'd be nice to leave that behind of, well, our Aikido is great and every, you know, it's better than everybody else's Aikido. And I don't know, it seems like a tail chasing exercise by and um, large. From what I can tell from talking to some of the, the old timers, the training in Aikido in the, in the seventies, eighties, early nineties was pretty much just like what you, what you just said, like everyone was humble. The training was super hard. Um, you know, there were a bunch, a bunch and a bunch of ass kickers around who were legitimately, if you don't bring your A game, you know, you're getting thrown off the tatami. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of generally, this is, it's, it's not just an Aikido thing. I think it's a sign of the times of the global, our global society where, you know, like it's, it's gone so much where like, oh, you know, don't step out of line, don't throw too hard. You know, don't want to hurt somebody. You know, it's like, what, whatever happened to good old, honest, you know, hard training. Um, I, I've been in, in trouble a couple of times at Hombu and pulled aside for, you know, training too hard. And, uh, and that just blows my mind, you know, like, how can that be a thing? This is a place that in, in the fifties had guys coming, knocking on the door and saying, I'm a six stand in karate. Give me your best guy right now. You know, and, and throwing down legitimate challenges to now being like, well, please don't throw hard, you know, and, and you got to be careful and, it's, it's the i'll be honest with you man it's just, it's a sad state that we find ourselves in in the aikido world overall where where guys like us who love it as a martial art are kind of the ugly duckling of the of the the group yeah you know it's it's <clears throat> having met a lot of competitors and then people that were wannabe competitors and others that just like to kind of play around and do it and they weren't very serious you can very much see that that heart of a warrior in in people and how they carry themselves how they go to compete um you know and when i would spar and when i'd see other really skilled people spar with somebody with much less experience you could tell when they're playing around and they should like that's how you know wolf pups learn they wrestle with the adults not because the, the adults kill them but they yeah. just they play and they learn um but you know, you can see, you can watch two fighters go and, and you see a young fighter come up and start to learn. And now he starts to, he surprises the senior. And suddenly you see the fangs start to drop. Like, okay, this is getting serious now. And the sad part is, is I've seen entire rooms at seminars of people that I have, that don't appear to have any 
of that ability whatsoever. It's like a bunch of librarians kind of, you right. know, like, um, that's great. But, you know, if, if something were to go sideways on a street, would I want to have this person at my back? And, and for the most part, no, that, that wouldn't be. Um, and that's one of, one of my goals as a martial artist. Like, I want to be that. And one of the greatest things my instructor ever told me was, you know, Tristan, if, if I were suddenly in fear for my life, I would want to have you right behind me. And, uh, you know, that, to me, that meant a lot more than any belt rank that I was tested for or anything, you know. Um, those things are not tangible. I can't hang that on my wall, but, you know, it's, all, it's in here when somebody knows, like, <laughs> you know, you're, you're a beast. Well, it, means that, it means that your training means something, which right. is important, you know. Yeah, and it's not enough just to go through the motions. And, and I guess that was what I brought to my Aikido training when I started because I was already a competitor. It's very experienced. And I'm like, I know what it was like to face somebody. Now I just wanted a, a different tool set. Like, okay, this was, this was something I wanted to make work. And I had the very great blessing of having a, he was a Kohai. He started about a year after I was, but he wanted the same thing from his art. And so while I was in a group that had some people that were not ready for that, when he and I partnered up, we would slow, we would pretty quickly ramp up and be like, all right, let's, let's make this work. And as we got, you know, to be intermediate students together and then more advanced students together, you know, the whole class would be going on pace and we'd be over there just pounding the hell out of each other. And we would go, all right, give me something out, throw, throw another punch or try to evade this or, or be creative, take, try to take me down. You know, you get more and more outside the bounds. And fortunately, we, I had a dojo that accepted that. Like it allowed us to do that, but we had a, such a great time. We were always smiling. We'd almost, we'd, we'd start laughing and stuff in the middle of it. To me, that's when our sensei is like, you should train with joy in your heart. To me, that's what it meant. Like yeah. enjoy the hell out of this. Cause it is fun. And it yeah. <laughs> like, then you want to come back. It's funny that you mentioned that because I find that, you know, in, in those very other few training sessions that I did outside of your quarter sensei at Hombu, the minute I went off script just a little bit, they were like, no, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. Whereas Ikoto sensei, we go to the very far top corner and we just do our thing and he doesn't bother us. Mm -hmm. Now we don't go acting like idiots and we don't start grappling right. each other. But mm -hmm. there are times with like with, with my friends that it's ended up on the ground mm -hmm. or someone's gone, you know, when I'm trying to do like, he's going, going to take my leg. Right. And I've reacted and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Whereas, um, one of the other homebus Shihan once. Well, looks like we had a little bit of a glitch. Hang on. Um, it was a different. Uh, we had okay, a glitch I, there. I you may want to restart right? that thought. And um, we... okay. Yep. This uh, so I I had almost got thrown out of class once for doing something only very, like, subtly different, mm -hmm. and. And uh, this one sensei had got angry at me. Oh, you, you, when you're in my class, you do as I say. But all it was, was like the, the, tent, the teacher was throwing kotigash and I had done a, Yokota sensei does a different pin, which he's the only one that does this in, in the hombu. Mm -hmm. And I just like automatically done that pin because I've been doing it for so long. Mm -hmm. And the teacher didn't like that I had done this different pin and made a, a no in front of him and made a real effort to you know tell me this is not how you do it in my class. But the funny thing was two hours before that, this sensei had been training in Yokota sensei's class when we'd done that. 
Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of like, oh man. Like... Well, you know, and that's the, I guess the thing about humility is, you know, if I had somebody visit, uh, you know, to my class or, or come to my class, let's say they moved in and they had been training in Aikido and they had their habits. I'd never take that as a personal affront to me that they didn't right. do what I just showed that they were so well programmed that they were doing their own thing. Like, you know, I would treat it more like a coach and say, okay, you've done it this way for a long time, try it the way I'm showing it and evaluate right. which one you like better and use the one that you think is most reliable. Um, Cause that's where Aikido becomes your own and your own martial art becomes your own. It's not gonna be a, a carbon copy of other people's. Right, unless, Unless, of course, you're a, uh, a Christian Tissier student. <laughs> well, of course, that's where the asterisk comes in. Like, except in that, for. <laughs> in, that, in that place, in that case, you, like, you might as well put on your Star Wars helmet and be one of the stormtroopers because, like, every one of his students, and this is, there are good points and bad points, but every one of his students, and God bless the man for being such a marketing genius and making a whole bunch of money out of Aikido. Mm -hmm. But you look at every one of his students and they all want to be Christian Tissier, no. right? For me, well, I'm no, sorry. Nobody but... puts on a better de demo than Tissier does. Like oh, he, no is, yeah. he is like the Steven Spielberg of, of Aikido demonstrations. Mm -hmm. um, very powerful, very impressive. Love the music and the lights and the whole, the whole production. Don't forget, don't forget the taiko drums. Oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah, exactly. Very powerful. Um, so I want to turn to a few of the comments because we had a number of people uh, comment in on what they would want to hear us talk about. Um, and I'll just go kind of top down here. Uh, first comment is, is it said, uh, get back on Facebook. <laughs> we, we miss you in the forum. <laughs> well, look, here's, here's, I'll tell you why that I actually, I, I went back to, I did open my account yesterday mm -hmm. because I had to get some information for a, an event that I was supposed to be attending, mm -hmm. but I will most likely stay deactivated till at least Christmas because, and here are the reasons. It all started with these uh, Aikido cultist groups. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of them. Your group's not one of them, mm -hmm. right? Your group is, is one where we're able to uh, exchange ideas um, and talk sensibly to other like-minded people. Mm -hmm. But we try to keep I the temperature level down. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, you do a good job of that. Thank you. These other Aikido groups, and I was in them for a while, and as much as I would try to ignore like some of the crap that they put up, like you just like you just sometimes you don't, you just watch it. And for me, it was ruining my day, mm. seeing like this absolute like just this just trashy stuff, and people saying all these wonderful things, and then other people coming in and bashing them, and it was just like online wars. Mm -hmm. And all, all about Aikido, I was like, ah, oh, this is this is taking away my love for the art. So the first thing I did was I got out of all those groups. I left them all. Mm -hmm. But then I noticed that in the catch wrestling groups I was in, the same stuff was happening there, mm. right? And the thing is, catch wrestling is is kind of a dying art, right? It's not there. Are maybe there might be a handful of dojos in the U.S. at the very most. There's one in Tokyo. It's and they're really, trying to kind of rebuild it right now, aren't they? They're trying. They're trying. Yeah. Yeah. I hope it catches on, but it's kind of a, you know, until recently it was a dying art. And there are the hardcore loyalists. Mm -hmm. And there would be the cultists equivalent, like the Aikido cultists of, of catch wrestling. Right. Now, catch wrestling is, is an amazing uh, form of wrestling, but it's not the be all and end all. Mm -hmm. 
just like you know judo is not the be all end of 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 whatever and and every martial arts had its great points but it's also got its weak points mm-hmm. and what i found was that these catch wrestling guys were also like catch wrestling rules bjj sucks you know and then, <laughs> yeah. and then they were getting these like arguments and that goes i was like well i gotta leave these groups now mm-hmm. and then i watched the the social dilemma have you seen that oh uh, yeah i have seen it it's just, it's haunting just where, it's haunting and just where you know they're manipulating our thoughts and you know i'm a lot stronger than that but at the same time it was true like that i was getting these ads on facebook that i didn't want to see mm-hmm. and i thought you know what like i'm not gonna miss anything if i stay off for two months right so i mean like kind of trial run right now my, my mother keeps saying you know, god bless her oh please come back to facebook please come back to facebook i miss you know because she's one of those mothers who who comments with love hearts on absolutely everything okay Sweet oh, mom, you know, yeah, sweet <laughs> mom, you know, because I'm her only boy, right? I have three sisters, but I'm her only boy, so okay. you know, the golden blue-eyed boy. And, and sure. if I ever did go back to Facebook, it would it would probably be just for my mother, but you know. <laughs> but I'm. Oh, what a good enjoying, boy! I, I really wish there was a way I could just kind of like join like your group and a couple of other little groups mm-hmm. and not have to be on Facebook. Yeah, but you, you know, know I've heard like, from a number of of uh, people in the Aikido world that that have written me and said, you know, I've ditched all of them except yours. Like yours is the only one that's got some, at least some sanity in it that is not off the rails in kooky town. Um, right. and, and part of it's even the Facebook thing of people that post up, you know, live videos of them playing with their cat or, you know, dancing in a dining room or something. And it's, it's, it's kind of hard to moderate that just because Facebook is such a an, you know, open to the wild kind of thing, but you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah. So the second question we got says, as someone who is seeking the modernization attitude, does he does he find resistance in mainstream Japan, and how much of that is it do, uh, is down to being a foreigner? And I guess we covered maybe a little bit of that, but do you find being a foreigner being a challenge for kind of what you want to do within Aikido? Or no, I, I think it has its advantages because mm. um, I can get away with a lot of things that that the Japanese can't. And to be honest, the Japanese people in Hombu Dozo, I. I I may have come across one or two of my time, but generally they don't, Japanese people are in general, very um, calm, gentle, peaceful people. Mm-hmm. And the ones that go to Hombu are not looking for anything other than the nice Aikido training. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, I see that too. I, one of the things I took up a while back, I thought I'd try out Kudo because I come from a family archers and I was fascinated with the Japanese bow, but it was so meditative and it really didn't have anything to do with actually shooting arrows. And yeah, to me, that's, if I want to learn archery, I want to shoot arrows. <laughs> you know? spend like a minute, a minute holding up. Or... Right. Well, it's the, how you walk up to the line and you know, how you dress and the whole thing. And I'm like, again, well, all style. And I, it was, I can appreciate the aesthetic, but I want to learn, I guess, Kujitsu would be more of my interest than Kudo. There is importance in being able to do, that but when time comes to shoot that arrow you better hit the target exactly <laughs> if you can't do that it doesn't matter how pretty your outfit is <laughs> you're, you're going hungry I, I, can tell you, I can tell you a funny story actually that you bring this up that uh, every year here in in japan there's a there's the international budo university they have okay right where the entire curriculum is budo based and you can get a legitimate degree from there and actually that's what that's what dj my senpai had done Okay. Um, he went to Budodai, which is the, you know, the University of Martial Arts. And every year they have this 90% foreigners only 
it's it's designed to attract foreigners uh camp and it's three days long and if you're a japanese it's very hard to get into but they do like to have about 10 percent just you know to to bring a little bit of japanese flair i guess into it or whatever mm -hmm. and what it is is that you choose your home martial arts so for me i chose aikido mm -hmm. right so you get there on the friday night and by the way it was like 50 dollars for three days of training all food and accommodation included for 50 bucks wow. Oh, wow. Right? Okay. Subsidized, subsidized by the government. It's okay. a government program. And so you do your home martial art on the Friday night, and then you spend all day Saturday, you choose two different arts. They have everything. Mm. They have everything that has a do, like Aikido, Karate do, uh, Shorinji Kenpo, everything. You know, sumo, that you could try sumo, you could judo. You know, you, there wasn't a martial art that you couldn't try. Mm. Kudo, everything. So I chose um, judo and, and sumo for my two martial arts on the Saturday. I did the judo first and it was all these kids, big and small, you know, because in, in, in Japan, judo attracts all the big kids, you know, the 200 sure. plus pack kids or whatever, they, they all go there. I had so much fun in judo that I stuck around. I gave up the sumo. I was going to do sumo when I gave that up to do the another three. Sorry, so I did six hours in judo. The next day was you do your own uh, martial art again in the morning. So I did my Aikido in the morning. And then from there, they had demonstrations mm -hmm. of everyone. So all the teachers that came to teach that they do a demonstration. Now, I had never seen Kudo in my life ever. Okay. So when the Judo, uh, sorry, the Kudo demonstration comes around, I see these guys in their lovely outfits with their massive big, what do you call it? Bows, I guess you, you would mean? say. Yep. And they took forever with a nice little walk to get to the center, wherever they had to go. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the whole process took about 10 minutes before they fired the arrow. And I guess I was not one of the only ones. I guess most people had never seen Kudo. Mm -hmm. And we're all kind of like, wow, this is amazing. These masters. And he pulls it and he pulls it and he pulls it and he waits and he waits and he waits and he waits and all this anticlimactic stuff. And he lets go and it hits the bottom and doesn't even hit the target. I were kind of just, just kind of looking around. This is like a one of the highest ranking kudo guys, and he doesn't flinch. Mm -hmm. It's his second one, does exactly the same thing, but lets it go, and it only just makes the bottom of the. And we we're like, wow! And I was expecting a bullseye for all that ceremonial stuff, that he did. <laughs> but they explained it as, um, oh, you know, like maybe he he was his feeling or you know something like that and you know i'm sure there's a an explanation somewhere but you know someone like me like you know you if you're gonna fire an arrow like hit the damn target you're kind of it's you're there to do one thing and that's right hit, hit, hit the target with your arrow <laughs> i swear to god the first one ricocheted off the ground okay so how can, i could do better right and uh, I, I, I never got that, but you know, yeah, it is what it is. Someone will explain that to me. I hope exactly. Well, the third question, it says, I believe the single main step Aikido needs uh, to take is graded pressure testing system. Uh, I'm not suggesting competition. How would someone with his knowledge base uh, approach this? Um, I think it's a good question. This is hard. It is. It is a hard question. <sighs> For one, you have to ask, well, what is pressure testing? Mm -hmm. Like, what kind of pressure testing? Okay. Um, and at what level do we start? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, for me, it's, it's, it's such a, I mean, this could go on all day, this topic, but yeah. it's, you, first of all, I want to say that the, the, the gradings at Hombo Dojo that I've seen have been some of the worst of my martial arts career. Um, just shaking your head, brutal, brutally bad gradings at Hombu. And I hate to speak ill of Hombu, but I have to, I have to call a spade a spade and say like the, the gradings are absolutely brutal. There may be one guy in the whole group who can hold his head high. And my Kohai, who you've probably seen in some of my videos, Mr. Manbun, the mm -hmm. Irish Thai, yeah. his Nidam was excellent. And I took Ukemi for him. And it was one of the very few, but I remember thinking like, oh my God, this is, this is horrible. There's zero spirit here. And these, the techniques are like, they're all like, 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 um, scared to, you know, to, to do any kind of techniques. And I always remember that my, my sensei in Australia used to always, he was, he's from England and he's always say, come on, lads, keep the kettle boiling, you know? And, <laughs> and for me, it's like, okay, how do we pressure test? Well, at that level that I saw, pressure testing is impossible. Absolutely. Impossible. Or at least high-level pressure testing. Well, from what I saw, any kind of pressure testing, these kids would, well, not even kids that were adults, probably older than me, would lose it. Right. So uh, I think here's, the, here's one thing. I, I, Aikido is, okay, it's, a, it's an art where we can train 100% of the time comfortably. Mm -hmm. That's not good. Correct. We don't want to ever be training comfortably, but in Aikido, that's all it is. We're just always hundred percent comfortable unless you get someone who stops you or, or, um, you know, I kind of do enjoy sometimes the people who are a little bit, you know, like smart asses who do like to try and test you out. Mm -hmm. all, I ask, all I ask is look, attack 100% pure and go for me as hard as you can go for me. If I get hit, I tell my, I tell, Ty, my, uh, we'll have to call him Mr. Manbun. He won't like that. But <laughs> I, I tell Ty all the time, like, just hit me. If I get hit, I get hit. And I tell other people that. And, um, but then again, when I train with someone like Hussein, I told you about the Serbian military guy, we train and then we will throw a showman and then we'll try something else. And that's how I react. And we'll always say, you know, like you have a look at a guy, there's a guy online actually, and you'll be interested to see it. You know, I'm going to post it in your group after this. Perfect. I'll go back to Facebook and post it. But there's a guy called Shirakawa. You may have seen him. You may have not. Now he's kind of getting recognition all around the world as being this amazing Aikido guy who knows a lot of jujitsu. Mm -hmm. And he's Mr. Instagram. Right. And he's got like a 90, 100,000 followers on Instagram and his stuff looks beautiful, but he also does throw in a little bit of, like jujitsu, but at the same time, he doesn't understand that, you know, you got to finish. You got to try to tap someone out. You got to submit them. You got to, you got to, you know, he just throws them nicely with this nice jujitsu and it kind of doesn't really mean anything. So like when, when you want to get pressure tested, keep it in the realms of Aikido, mm -hmm. throw that showman, throw that yokoman. If you're able to execute something great, if you're not, you have to have a henka waza without even thinking. Mm -hmm. But you have to be able to take them down or atemi or submit them, whatever. But, you know, people who don't understand how to do that, how to submit people, how to throw legit kicks, punches, they, they're not going to be able to do pressure testing. And this is the thing where Aikido has to be all inclusive. 
we have to, you know, anybody should be able to do Aikido. So if you're talking about pressure testing, then it really should be maybe a, a select few who train in a separate class. Um, but then again, you, you start an Aikido class and what do you do? You do 10 minutes of warm ups and you get straight into the technique. Mm -hmm. How do you condition your body to be able to take this pressure tested? Well, in wrestling, where I came from, in pro wrestling, you know, yes, it's, it's, it's somewhat entertainment, but it's still legitimate wrestling. And we have to train for hours and hours. We squat, we do the push-ups, we do Hindu squats, Hindu push-ups, which is like breathing the opposite way when you do the thing. Come from, it came from Indian wrestling, by, which is amazing, by the way. Yep. And we condition our body for the time. Actually, well, the way it was explained to me was like, they, we, call, we call them like blow-up drills. And by you're blowing up, Physi uh, you, you cardio-wise, you cannot move anymore. You can't possibly do another exercise, but you find that place deep down in your heart where you can go the extra step. And it was explained to me as, you know, and the Japanese pro wrestling here, the training is, is, is so militaristic, hardcore, you know, base borderline barbarian way of training. And it was explained to me that you're in a match or you're in a situation that you might not want to be in and you can't possibly go anymore, but you find that spot and, you know, you find that place where you can get that extra bit of wind to finish the match or to, you know, to whatever, submit your opponent. And that all comes from, from training. If you are not trained to, you know, be able to withstand this kind of stuff, you, you can't just jump into a live, you know, um, situation where, you know, pressure test go. Right. And this is, this is the, the point where it's like, and how many Aikido people legitimately train off the mats like how many people go to the gym i'm not saying start you know lifting hardcore but like do you run do you do push-ups do you do squats you know like if you are want to be a legitimate martial artist like and you and if you're one of these people who wants to talk about pressure testing well you, you gotta have this extra you know cardiovascular and and all this other stuff it, it, it comes hand in hand so i think it's you know this is a tough question but aikido training Aikido doesn't need to change at all, but the training needs to change. Okay. And what I, I think mean that's a good way to put it. Right. The, the Aikido as an art itself is fine, but we need to, you know, like I know there's one dojo in Australia um, who are separate to the, the main entity there. They run by themselves and they do 30 to 45 minutes of cardio drills before training. Now you can choose to skip that if you want, but the sensei there told me that basically nobody does. Right. And then they go at it hard afterwards and you build up that conditioning through that extra training to be able to take this pressure testing. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that, you know, the, the way for Aikido to move forward is not so much. We, we, we can't have Shiai, like we can't have these matches because that's not what Aikido is, but we, we need to bring back, well, I don't know if it even had it, but we need to add these extra because people aren't going to do it on their own. You go, you look at, you go into an Aikido locker room, Right. And if you compare them to other locker rooms, there's there are a lot of overweight people or super skinny people. There's not a whole lot of, at least in Hombu Dojo, there's not a whole lot of in shape people. And um, so I think before we start pressure testing, well, we better start pressure testing our bodies ourselves first, you know? Yeah. It's, 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 you know, yeah. one of the things with pressure testing, and I, and I just want to throw in, throw this in, is that people tend to think pressure testing is like full hundred percent intensity. Like that's the only pressure testing you can do. And the, uh, 
when I when I competed, I would often take brand new people and say, okay, we're going to do a fairly hard sparring match. We wouldn't go 100%, but at their level, they could only handle 30%. Mm-hmm. But within that 30% level, we'd find the weaknesses. We'd find the deficiencies that they needed to go and train and, and overcome. And I think that as any practitioner goes from beginning to intermediate to advanced, you, you'll slowly ramp up and increase from a, a light pressure testing to a medium to a heavier. Mm-hmm. And, and each time you do, you'll find some problems and you'll go and train them and, and get them ready. And then, then that same level of intensity is like a cakewalk and now you need to bump it up. And so it is a progression. It's not just a throw right. somebody in a Conan pit and then, then they go crazy. Um, well, it like is, that's the like, way the way to get injured and and to become frustrated. Like I said, I can only speak from my experiences because I have done ninety percent of my training at home budojo. But mm-hmm. if you even slightly lightly pressure tested, I get the feeling, and I may be wrong, but I do get the feeling that I'd be the worst in the world for trying to pressure test someone. Um, and it's really not welcome. It's it's sure. not welcome at all. Yeah. Um, well, it so, just seems like the focus is not there. It's on something else. Oh, no, no, no. Whereas you, back in the day, like I'll never forget one of, one of my, like my senpai, senpai, um, a Frenchman called Didier, who is um, like legit old school, you know, Aikido guy. He's, he's in his 70s now, but he went to Hombu in the 1970s. And he was telling me stories of, you know, like he used to have long hair and then Shibata sensei would rip it as hard as he could. Right. And then Kishomaru Doshi would just laugh and walk away. Right. Or people would regularly come out in the seventies and eighties in Hombu with like blood all over them and everything. And it wouldn't even be, it wouldn't be an afterthought, but you know, right now, no, if there's a, if there's a, just a little bit of blood or oh, you better go get that cleaned up, you know, and right. you know, harmony, please harmony. <laughs> I'm just not sure that modern day Aikido is built for, for pressure testing. Unless yeah. you find a few friends by yourself to go to, you know, to go and train. Yeah. I agree. So the next question we have, and actually these two are going to be related. Uh, well, he said, is his wrestling predetermined in outcomes? And I think that's a question a lot of people want to know in general. <laughs> uh, no comment, sir. No comment. <laughs> uh, uh, does, a, does a magician reveal his secrets? Look, all I'll say is, all I'll say on the matter is, I have to get from point A to point B. And how I do that is up to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what I, what we do is not WWE stuff, right? you know, mm-hmm. whereas uh, that's the complete show. Mm-hmm. So this is actually a good, a good segue. If you don't mind, if I can quickly bring up the history of um, how Japanese professional wrestling uh, became UFC, became mixed martial arts. Sure. And it, it's basically and what maybe you could feather that into the next question, which is what is Hambu attitude towards your wrestling? Okay, I'll, get, I'll touch on that at the end. Um, okay. Well, actually, no, I can do it straight away because um, honestly, I don't know if anyone even knows that I do it. A couple okay. of them, a couple of them do. Yokota Sensei didn't like it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I told him that I had to, I quit, because I kind of, he, I could just see that he, he, he didn't, didn't really like it, but he knew that, uh, you know, I, I didn't, and now he makes jokes all the time. Like I'm the heel here, you know, like the heel, <laughs> the bad guy, right? So he makes jokes in the middle of Hombu, you know, with all everybody around, saying like I'm the heel, you're not the heel, you know, that kind of stuff. And Sensei you know, always knows. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, yeah. Well, he is a he's he's a he's a great guy, but he's a heel too, okay. right? Because of his, his techniques are very heelish in that they're uh, aggressive and sure. um, and they damn work. But mm-hmm. let's go back to so you had the end of World War Two. Japan was destroyed, right? The U.S. and the Allies bombed the hell of the country. The A bomb took out two cities, and the country was in ruins. You had millions and millions of people begging for for uh, food, living in in like cracks in the side of the road. And the first thing that the Americans did was, how do we rebuild this nation? Some of the American soldiers were trained in professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the first things they did is they started putting on professional wrestling shows. But Japanese people didn't know how to wrestle. Okay, so how do we get these wrestlers? Well, let's grab some judo guys. Let's grab some sumo guys. And these guys, their training had only ever been in this, you know, hardcore, you know, militaristic style training. So immediately these Japanese guys were like, well, we have our ideas of training, right? And that's Bushido. That's the way of the samurai, the way of the warrior. But we do also want to do this new professional wrestling. So what they did was to build up national morale they brought in all these gigantic six foot whatever white guys. Most of them had never wrestled in their lives. They were probably GIs or whatever. And they had the Japanese guys uh, do their judo techniques and do whatever and do their chops and, and win. And pro wrestling, that was the first step to building up national morale was through professional wrestling. The television boom in Japan started through professional wrestling because they had created these big stars. And everyone wanted to see them live. So now they needed TVs and they needed to be in color. So TV owes its its infancy to pro wrestling. Hmm. Let's just fast forward quickly to the 1980s. You have the biggest group in the world called New Japan Pro Wrestling. They're run by a guy called Antonio Inoki, famous for fighting Muhammad Ali in the very first ever MMA match. Mm-hmm. Right? And Inoki had been trained by legit catch wrestlers, right? And uh, one of the guys was named Carl Gotch, and he was an Olympic wrestler and a catch wrestler. And another guy called Billy He's Robinson. Legend. Legend. Yeah. And then um, another guy called Billy Robinson. So what they started to do another was... Another legend. <laughs> yeah. Right, Billy Robinson, right? Now, they started to teach these guys catch wrestling. And they said, you know, like, put all this into your stuff. Don't just do, like, your chops or your judo throws. You know, like, let's make this legit wrestling. But it was still... Also, well, I'll give up. The, I'll give up. It was still predetermined, mm-hmm. but the entire match was legitimate until mm-hmm. the end, right? And that's how you build superstars, right? You have to have a plan from many months back. How do you? It's like playing chess. How do you make this guy the top guy, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But a, a small little group in the mid nineteen eighties were like, you know what? Like, we don't want to do this like predetermined, like stuff. Like, you know, we know all these legitimate holes. Like, we know how to, you know, f people up. Let's go out and let's make our own. So they made a thing called the UWF, which when UFC one was on, heavyweight champion, right? So UWF, they they kind of they didn't last very long, and then they went back to New Japan and they broke off again, and, and you know they're a couple of different groups. But then that's and where I get my name Fujiwara from is from a guy called Yoshiaki Fujiwara, who's uh, the top student of Karl Gotch. And he has started his own group, Fujiwara group, to do these like like these uh, matches that look like, um, you know, legit MMA matches. But there was still, yes, the result was predetermined. 
And then from there, you got two guys. One guy's name is Funaki, Masakatsu Funaki, and another one, Minoru Suzuki, who said, you know what? Let's just get rid of all this. We just want legitimate competition, right? We don't want to, we don't, we just want to see who the toughest guy is. And so they made a group called Pancras, right? Pancras, yeah. Pancras, and their rival was called Shuto, which came from a guy who actually used to wear a mask, tiger mask, and he made shoot wrestling, which was a legit. Like it was, it, the company's still around today. It's called Shuto. So you had Pancras and you had Shuto. Now UFC had been in talks with the Gracies and I, I believe they had kind of looked at what these Japanese groups were doing and they're like, you know what? Like we can do that, hmm. you know? And so, you know, the organizers, there was a, a group from Colorado, grabbed the Gracies and made UFC one, but they had a whole bunch of jiu-jitsu guys and, you know, washed up, you know, a couple of washed up boxes and whatever. And that's why they invited Ken Shamrock in. Mm. And um, that's a story for another day. But the influence of, you know, professional wrestling on the martial arts world is something that not many people know about. And yeah. I won't say American professional wrestling because its influence was only to bring it to Japan. And from there, it morphed into its own unique beast. Mm. Um, yeah, that's a cool story. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've got quite a few other questions, so we'll kind of have to probably blast through these a little bit quick. I uh, said, I would like to know his opinion on my eye di slash distance management, Irimi slash entering, and Atemi as concepts. Boy, that could be an entire yeah. <laughs> day's worth of conversation, I'm sure. Yeah, let's just sum it up quickly. But um, you know, Aikido is the greatest, I believe, the best martial art for teaching that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, what do you do when you get there? Like, what do you do when you close a distance or when you, you escape the distance? Like, what, what do you do? Like, you need to know what to do. And I don't believe, like, honestly, Aikido really teaches that, which is why, like, I, I always call Aikido this all-encompassing martial art in that it, it has everything that we're looking for and it has every single possible realm of technique that you could want to put into it, you can put into it if you want. Mm -hmm. um, but you need to know how to put it in, which means go out and find it and cross-train and bring it back and put it in. But what do you do when you have the Mai? Like what you do is depends on how much you know. Okay. So the ideas of Mai and all this stuff is like, yeah, it's great. But then really like how much do you know when it's time to, you know, to throw down or time to, you know, so that can go on for a whole day, but those principles are amazing. I, I really like love Aikido for that is what I'll say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is great. And in my mind that it's the Arimi part that, if anything has been neglected with a lot of mainstream Aikido, it's been so heavily oriented towards Tenkan and, and avoiding collision and, and avoiding and movements and stuff. The, yeah. Which there, there's a time and place for it, but in my mind, it's to set up the Arimi. The Arimi is what finishes. Well, I can tell you right now from, from my experience in, in catch wrestling and uh, no gi Jiu Jitsu, none of that big circle stuff will work. Zero. I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to break everybody's bubbles. The mm -hmm. only thing that will work against someone who knows how to grapple is enemy. It's the yeah, only yeah. thing that works. It's the only thing that works. And if you're able to take their back, well, well, that's a good thing because it's good very night. hard. To, it's very hard to take their back. But once you do, it's over. Right. You know, and and uh, but even that's super hard to do. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm sorry to burst all the the Aikido purist bubbles, but you know, letting someone hold on to your wrist as hard as they can trying to move them or, you know, trying to do these big circular movements. A kickboxer will kick you in the head. A wrestler will take you down. Um, but if you can perfect enemy, 
you have somewhat of a chance. Like again, yeah. but what do you do? When you get, what do you do when you get there? <laughs> totally agree. That's another All right. One. So uh, the next one, and I don't even know if we can get into this one. He said, "I'm interested in hearing more about his conditioning regimen and training methods." Okay, um, I'll touch on it very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, is I, I try to do my, I've got a couple of my, my knees are pretty bad at the moment, but I try to do squats every morning, the Hindu squats. And even if I can only sometimes knock out 50 or hundred, I'm happy in my, in my heyday, when I was a wrestler, we did 500 every day. Mm. Right? It's not, and I've also done a thousand once, which wow. is absolutely mental. That is right? insane. And, uh, um, it was right before a match as well. And my, my senpai in wrestling was pissed off at the whole group. And said, you're all doing a thousand squats. I'll never forget, like I'm borderline puking. And I'm and we're counting. We have to with those 10 of us in the group, and we had to count a hundred each. And I'll never forget, I just finished, I was sixth in line, and I just finished counting number six hundred and whatever up to seven hundred. And I was like, Oh my god, I'm gonna puke. This is and my knees and my legs were dead. But because you're in the group, you have no choice but to keep going. We got through to a thousand. I was like, man, you know what? I'm fine. I did that, I did it. I don't want to do it again. <laughs> but I did it. And wow. so uh, I, I believe that, you know, you're training, you have to push yourself. You know, Aikido and any other stuff, you, you got to get out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're in your comfort zone, you're in the wrong spot. Like, in the wrong spot. You're just, you're just coasting or you're in cruise control. Right. Um, okay. So the next one, I'd like to hear his thoughts regarding the differences in attitude between Japanese Aikidoka and other Japanese martial artists. Do you oh. have a perspective on that one? Mm, okay. Well, some of my friends who are professional MMA fighters here, when they when when they see that I do Aikido, um, they they say, "Well, your your Aikido is a little bit different." But the Aikido that I've seen, basically, that these MMA guys and these other you know guys say to me, "Look, just show me if it works. If it works, I'll I'll believe it, and I'll I'm you know I, I won't think it's bad. But until you show me that it works, no, sorry, I've got no time for it." Mm. That's, that's that's basically in a nutshell the 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 impressions that I get from the other Japanese martial artists. And to me, it's a fairly valid with anything. Like if somebody says, oh, "I'm a great painter," well, show me your paintings. Yeah. Or you're a great cook. Well, cook me a dinner that I, that's not going to make me wretch. You know. Um, so I, I guess I admire the practicality part because if anything, I think the Japanese culture is very heavily focused on aesthetics. Like. Mm -hmm that's the, the overall impression I, I get. So it's, if there are, if there is an undercurrent within there of, okay, well, you got to put an arrow in the target, like show me, you can put an arrow in the target and then I'll be impressed. <laughs> so yeah, that's okay. pretty cool. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. When is just, Aikido? Sorry, okay, just one more thing on that. Um, look, Aikido is, is great for not just kicking ass. Like it, it, it is there to make us better people. It is there to be able to resolve conflict peacefully. But why can't I be a better person? And why can't I learn? Yeah, you, know, you get this from Aikido people all the time. Oh, well, you know, Aikido, you know, it's more than just if it works and I'm learning how to be a better person and I want to be a true Budoka. Well, why can't I do all that and be an ass kicker at the same time? Mm -hmm. is, is, how, is how I see it. Like it's, it has made me a better person, mm -hmm. but you know, that doesn't mean I have to be a pussy about things. Mm -hmm. Excuse my language there, but, you know, and that's one thing I don't get with the, the, the purest crowd, I'll say. Right. 
You know, I, I remember reading up on, on Bruce Lee's desire to bring part of the Chinese philosophy through film to the rest of the world. And there was a, a part in there, and I think I remember reading this in one of the books, it wasn't in his movies, but he talked about the idea that strength and not just physical strength, but like prowess is the virtue by which of all the other virtues are allowed to survive. You can be as kind hearted and as benevolent, as generous, as you want, but if you're so weak that you just get overrun by somebody who's stronger and mur and killed, like those virtues that you held would not survive. So to me, like I want to be strong enough to be defiant and say, no, you are not going to dominate me or I'm not going to be a victim. Therefore, that is the avenue by which all the all those other virtues that we do want to build that are important, they're very critically important, um, are able to to keep going and to be passed on to the next generation. Cause without that, it's just weakness. So yeah, to me, that's watered down in every generation, right? So <laughs> that's pretty much it. Um, this next one is actually a pretty good one too. Uh, when is Aikido not in Aikido? And I think the English on this one's a little rough, but uh, when is Aikido not Aikido and turn into just technique and mixed martial arts? I'd love to hear you guys talk about how we can effectively introduce and standardize true randori into Aikido's curriculum. And that's a subject near and dear to my heart because randori is my favorite thing ever. I love it, love it, love it. But I'll let you go, let you go first on that. Well, I've seen the, I've seen the, um, is it Tomiki that does randori? Uh, yeah, Tomiki does the competitions. Right, I've yep. seen that and you know, I gotta be honest with you, yeah. No, it's pretty poor, man. It is. Oh, it's yeah, really it's... bad. Now, this is a this is a funny thing because my my two closest friends in Aikido, DJ and Hussein, have polar opposite opinions on the next one. Is that their knife tandori? Uh, sorry, tandori. Their knife randori is um. DJ says like you know like. You know, if you want to learn knife stuff, go learn Kali, mm -hmm. right? But Hussein, who's a kendo guy and ton kendo guy, I will say, yeah, but it's a good step towards something. So I'm kind of in between on the fence about it. So I, I don't mind their knife randori, but the regular randori that they do is just, it's, it's so bad. It really is. It, it seems to me like, like taking an, a Formula One car and taking it to a four by four park. Right. Like, and just, it's just not like, the right, it's not the right match for what Aikido is meant to do. Exactly. Um, I like the live aspect of it, but mm -hmm, I, yeah. I think the I think the overall problem is Aikido is really meant to be solve the asymmetric problem of real life violence, where you have right. one person that wants to be peaceful and the other one who wants to attack. When right. you take the sport aspect and say now both are trying to do the exact same thing to one another, that's where the distortion occurs. Right, um, right. Yeah, because it's not a sport. It never no, will be. And, and but that doesn't mean there shouldn't be the intensity of competition of, because when that, when that person attacks you in a, you know, on a street, in a bar, you know, wherever you wind up being, he has full intent to do you harm. Like that's the reality part that I think needs to be right. focused on. And it's your, yeah. You know, and I, what my, in fact, the, the, uh, the Kohai that I talked about, you know, we, we got into this discussion years ago and, and was, we were talking about how do you, how would you do this? And he said, you know, you could actually have an asymmetric, competition where let's say you had basically an uke and a nage and uke's job you you have as uke you have 30 seconds to pin or hold down nage and nage wins if that 
doesn't happen. Like okay. that, now you have an asymmetric, that's more like what a self-defense exchange would be like, mm-hmm. you know, time avoidance. You don't have to submit the guy. You just have to keep from being dominated mm-hmm. and you could do it with one person, two people, three people, whatever. But once you get into that head to head, now you've lost it. That now well, it's, just, here's now it's what just, I will say. It's not about how the technique is applied. It's how your goal is set. Right. Here's what I'll say that if, if I, if I came to do Randori, I would automatically, without even thinking, I'd be thrown in suplexes or takedowns because I, I just, I'd be on autopilot. Sure. So there's that. But then also you got to think like Aikido is not just attack defense. Right. It is, it's that way because that's how we're learning how to train. Mm-hmm. But like if somebody comes at me with a punch, I don't expect to do, be able to get a very good Ikkyo. But right. what if I went to backfist somebody Mm-hmm. And they put up their hands to block it. Mm-hmm. Well, there's the IQ. So there's also, you know, there's the, the concepts of like Sen no Sen, like attack and defense and, right. you know, Sen, you know uh, Sen no Go and that kind of stuff. I mean, so uh, you could do what you said. You, you could also change it up, flip it up and say like, just attack me yeah. as hard as you want and, and, and see how Uke reacts. If I'm able to do anything, there are, there are a few options you can, but you have to be in a position where, you know, you're comfortable with your partner, that you know, don't want to hurt them. And if anything, any trouble happens, like you're not going to get your ass sued, right? Okay. Right, right. You know, one of the challenges that, that I remember doing with some of my seniors, uh, this was a couple of years ago, we'd gone through uh, doing some groundwork preparation, like somebody takes you down, how to shift into the mindset. And in order to overcome the problem of once I started class, everybody's guards up, like they know, they know they're in it. So I had a I had a student go over before class and tackle one of my brown belts from behind, like because you could be walking down the street and suddenly bam you're you're now on your side now what are you gonna do like and I wanted to see if the mind shifted into get on your back you know don't be face down start to do your shrimp start to get out from underneath and I did this on a number of my intermediate and advanced students and they all performed well like it only took them a half second in that the fall phase of uh oh something's going wrong and they they clicked right into turning you know the using knee shields and things like that like this is very easily doable stuff and but it's hard to overcome that surprise because that's the real world thing that we're going to get right that we would not get in a dojo because once you walk in the door you're now you know all right here's what's going to be happening um so a lot of creative ideas so i I think we could probably talk about this for quite a while but um and I've got a couple of questions that I'm going to say, but I got one more from a listener. And, and this one is a bit touchy. I want to see how, you, how you're going to run with it. So I would like to know what he thinks about the IAF's extreme push to promote gender equality on the mats, including Yamada Sensei banning some from practicing, uh, some women from practicing for speaking up. I was hoping you'd avoid this one. <laughs> but look, I, I read this blog by a woman who um, she's Australian, but she lived in New York basically her entire life and done 40 years training Mm -hmm. uh, at New York Aikikai. Ruth, I can't remember her last name. And I read it and I was completely shocked Mm -hmm. because like she kind of just basically passed around this, like whatever it was, something she had to sign. She signed it and passed it on. And Yamada Sensei kicked her out of the dojo the next day after 40 years of experience. And she was training, she was teaching there kicked her out let her back in like a month later but ran her name through the mud Mm. this is a guy who 
right place, right time, went to, went to America in the, 50, in the 60s, you know, as an average Aikidoka, I'm sorry to all the people that say that, but you watch some of his stuff early on and he really grew into Aikido in the US. He was a, just, he was, he was like a whatever, a knee down or something at the time. This is a guy who drives Lamborghinis around, um, you know, hits on women all the time. You know, I've seen him in Australia, you know, getting drunk and being around all the ladies and whatnot. Um, perhaps he did it because he's one of the old dinosaurs who doesn't want change. But in, in my dojo, if you're a lady and you don't feel comfortable training, then I'm doing something wrong, right? Everyone, everyone should feel like they're welcome. Now, there's obviously a difference between, in, you know, what a man can do and what a, a, a lady can do. And I don't want to sound sexist about that as far as, but you know, men have more power. Uh, I've seen some really legit ladies in my time, but generally I would say 95% of the, the ladies that I do Aikido with, I have to go down to their level and train softly and slowly. And that's cool too. That's part of training. But um, I really, I really think that, you know, everyone should be welcome on the mats. Mm -hmm. And what I think he did there, and I'm, I don't know much about it, to be honest, but from what I could tell from talking to a few of the people that uh, he was kind of really out of place there. And, but at the same time, I don't want to push them so far that I don't want the IAF to push things so far as where, oh, we must have women teaching. We must have 60% of the, of the instructors women now, or we must have like an LGBT person there. You know, like we, we must have like a black person there. You're there on your own merit. Right. If, if, if you're at one of these seminars and you're teaching, it's because you're a damn good instructor. I don't care if you're black, gay, straight, lesbian, what, you know, whatever, whatever. I don't care. You better, you know, you, you better be someone who is worthy of that spot. You know, so that, that's my only real, real thing on it. Like everyone, it should be all inclusive, but at the same time, you don't get your spot just because you're this or that. Yeah. To me, the, the whole thing was basically the ugliest of politics coming to the surface and it happens a lot, I, and, I, and you know more about about the people there than I do uh, the things that I heard and seen was one of those it's kind of like you visit somebody's house and the husband and wife are screaming at each other throwing stuff like you know what I don't even want to get in the middle of any of this I don't know right. any of what happened in the background I'm not going to judge I don't want to judge what I can just say is it breaks my heart to see what is going on here like this is this is bad news and, you know, you don't want to point fingers at one and have to ally with the other. It just kind of from the outside be one of those things like I, I wish this wasn't happening and I wish there was a way that this could be resolved and put to bed peacefully kind of, you know, find that harmony thing that, that kind of rings a bell somehow. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's too bad that that's not what's going on. And, and that's something that I've seen in many organizations with many, many Shihans where it's, there's a little bit of everything, whether it's the politics of people being angry because they haven't been promoted to a certain rank or not, or whether, um, you know, the, the Shihans ego is run away with them and they think that they're some kind of a God or, you know, that they, it's just a weird, very weird cauldron of bubbling bad brew. And, and when it boils over, like it had with, uh, with um, the, um, what is it? The Yamada's organization. It's just so many rumors and I'm just, not, I'm not a rumor guy. I mean, I'll yeah. consider something, but I, I, I you don't want to go running off on a crusade off of a rumor. 
because it just it creates it like amplifies the the problem if anything the problem and not to say that it needs to get shoved under the rug it's like the right people need to go and deal with it and the the part that was sad for me was hearing that because uh, I'm, I'm i'm also a um a mediator and so okay. i guess one of the ideas that was brought up was to have a mediator come in for these two parties and try to help them work it out and i guess that was rejected and like that really points to a serious problem when an earnest effort to resolve the matter without making it a huge you know court of public opinion what, uh, what, what was problem. it all about i don't really know to be honest um, I'm trying to remember, I guess it was that there were the letter that I remember reading, and I could be a little bit off on this, but uh, there was something there had some kind of a board uh, that was made up of, of senior instructors, and there was only, I think, one female on it, and I guess she retired or something like that, but there weren't, weren't women on there. Uh, there were some women that, that felt that they should have been promoted to seventh Don and, and made Shehans, but were not. Uh, and should have been more female instructors. Uh, that's kind of the feel that I got. Um, in addition well, to one thing, while you mentioned that word, shihan, shihan in Aikido now is the, the, the it has no meaning. It has no title anymore because mm. they're handing out uh, the Aikido like at least are handing out shihan certificates like you get them from breakfast cereals. Okay. okay. Anyone, anyone, as long as you're a six dan and you've done X amount of years, you're now a shihan. Right. Okay. Um, and to me, that's wrong. Like Shihan needs to mean something. Mm -hmm. But on that group thing, yeah, that they should have put women on there. Why, why not? What, what's what's that going to do? Yeah. Like you know. And that's I mean I don't know what the, that board was supposed to oversee or or anything like that. I mean the only thing that struck me was I, I felt it a little odd when somebody said would anybody would say I deserve to be promoted to a new rank or to a higher rank. Like I would never take that to a senior ever. Like that would just be. I was always taught that that was absolutely, you know, oh, yeah. but well, at any rate, I don't want to judge any, any party in it. It just, it, it's sad to see that it goes that way, but in organizations so often politics destroys it. Well, and that I'll, seems I'll, like I'll what's say, happening. I'll say I have firsthand experience with, with politics. Um, now my, my father um, did Aikido for 20, 27 years mm -hmm. and but he started in the early 90s when Aikido was kind of new Steven Seagal had made it kind of mainstream mm -hmm. and you know he had done a little bit of Taekwondo but he was like a, he just he did Aikido right mm -hmm. and he went down to my and the, the dojo ended up becoming my where I trained in Australia as well and he, he joined up and he did it for a long time but you could kind of just tell as a kid, I could kind of see like he's, he's getting bored because like my, his teacher also came, he came from England and oh, my father's English as well, came from England and he was the second down when he came and he only came with what he knew and, and that's all he could teach. So you can see that in, in Australia, in that particular dojo, the knowledge level was, it had a ceiling. Mm -hmm. And so I found that my, you know, my, my father started watching a lot of, there was no YouTube in the day, but he started watching a lot of tapes and like, oh, what's this guy doing? And what if I bring a little bit of system up? Or what if I bring a little bit of this into my Aikido, what happens? Mm -hmm. And he had a class he was teaching uh, on, on Tuesday nights and he was getting a lot of complaints because the stuff that he was teaching was while in the Aikido sphere, it was not, you know, 
Aikido. And he was kind of a little bit hard on some people. And, and one of the guys who was, who just got his black belt, he was folding his hakama one day and my, my old man told him off for not, you know, not fixing up the mats, not cleaning the dojo. Like, and he ended up being kicked out of the dojo um, for, you know, all these different reasons, you know, not, not teaching Aikido properly and, you know, wanting to go off and explore and, you know, chastising the, you know, when really he was just trying to, you know, um, put a little bit of discipline into people and make it a little bit more martial and they kicked him out. And because of that, you know, like, you know, I, 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 I was already in Japan at the time, so it didn't really bother me too much, but he hasn't been able to train since, which is kind of, you know, I can see that it hurts him. Yeah. That's too bad. Yeah. So, I mean, politics really sucks. And uh, I can tell firsthand that like, no one wins, no one wins from politics. Exactly. Um, I guess that, that brings us to our, uh, the two wrap up questions that I felt would be best to leave to last. And, and that is uh, where do you see Aikido going in the next 10 to 20 years? Down the tube, man. <laughs> if we keep going the way we're going, it's going to turn into Tai Chi, right? And this is, this is the mainstream uh, idea that Doshu and Waka Sensei want. Um, I can't speak for uh, Yoshinkan. I can't speak for the other art. I can only speak for Aikikai. You saw the letter that they put out to yep. the Russians. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason they do this is the apple has fallen very far from the tree in terms of what O Sensei could do for martial arts and what his great grandson can do. Mm -hmm. Okay. I remember this kid um, when he was a white belt and didn't want to do Aikido. And he, and he was basically told, you're going to be Doshu. You've got to do Aikido. And he was thrown into the corner with a private training partner and basically given a, you know, a crash course mm -hmm. and then promoted to Waka Sensei. And, you know, and he's kind of just got, you know, the very basics of the basics, like he, he he's a good Nidan, mm -hmm. right? But the problem is that he's not allowed to, and Doshu was never, they're not allowed to go outside the box at all. That's not their job. They have to be the representation of Aikido, what it is and what their, what current Doshu's father made it. Like he took what his, he took what Osensei did. And so like, you know what, like, you know, we need to turn this into something peaceful because of the, you know, the wartime restrictions where you can't do martial arts and we need to spread this globally, right? So the apple has fallen so far from the tree with the great grandson who's gonna take over that it's gonna be very much uh, style, 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 very little like, you know, hard training. I can, I can see it like the, the Hombu Dojo now is, is nothing to what it was when I first got there and nothing to what it was before I was there. Mm. And, this is, and this is, they dictate the terms, you know? They're right. the global organization and things need to change with them, but they know they're not going to because sure. like, what, what do you, what, what, what the hell is Waka Sensei going to do when you grab him hard? Mm -hmm. What's he going to, he's not going to, he's not going to know what to do. Mm. And, and I'm one of the very few guys who may speak out about this and I may get in trouble, but whatever, I don't care because you know, like they, they just want this, you know, nice, beautiful art that makes them a lot of money. Right. Yeah, I suppose there's not as big a market share of people that want to train martial arts seriously versus people that would like to do some cosplay. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. Cosplay is a good word because that's what a lot of people are doing, dressing up in their hakama and. <laughs> you know, so, I hate, so, hate hakama. I hate it. I, I do too. In fact, I ditched them last year. I just said, D don't. We're not even. We're not even yeah. doing that anymore. So. Okay. 
Um, at any rate, the last one is if you could have anything that you want, where would you like to see Aikido go in the future? So it's like you get your one wish, genie in a bottle. My, okay, okay. I, I, I'll, I'll say that I only want, I can only talk from my experience in Hombu, but I believe that Hombu reflects the world of Aikido. So in the early days of Hombu, you had kendo classes in there. Okay. You had a bunch of judo guys in there. Um, the, when O Sensei decided it was time to pass the mantle of, of the art, he didn't give, want to give it to his son, right? And Kishimura Doshi was the fourth choice, right? He wanted to give it, the first guy he wanted to give it to was a guy called Nakakura, who was a kendo master and uh, married off his daughter. He married O Sensei's daughter and he became Weishiba. And he was, he was basically second Doshu, but not officially. And for whatever reason, he didn't want any part of the Weishiba family anymore. And he divorced and he, he just got out of the limelight. They tried to hand it off to like uh, Mochizuki Sensei, who uh, was also doing judo. And he's, he's very famous for the stemi waza, right? The sacrifice throws. He didn't want it. And they tried to give it to another guy and, and he didn't want it. And then, so they gave it to Kishimaru Dosha, who is a fantastic Aikidoka. I have no problems. And he's, you know, Yokoro Sensei was pretty much his bodyguard when he went overseas, uh, his personal uke and whatever. So I, I have no ill words to speak of Kishimaru Doshu, but Kishimaru Doshu shaped the Aikido that we do right now. It's Kishimaru's Aikido, right? That we're doing. But my one wish is like, can we, can we open up some more classes inside Hombu? Can we, can we have a judo class? Can we have a, 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 a newaza class or a submission class? Can we have some, can we have a group that of select individuals who can do something else? And that's bring in those outside influences, outside influences. That is never going to happen, but that's what I would want. <laughs> well, Christmas is coming. So you never know. <laughs> I Santa ain't bringing that. Yeah. Well, cool. Was there anything you else wanted to talk about? We know we've been at it for a while now, so. Uh, no, no, but we uh, we talk. I really enjoyed the conversation. It was great. Yeah, this has been a pleasure. I re I'm really glad we got around to getting this done, and and uh, it's cool that we were able to address all the user or all the. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'll just tell everybody that I'm really happy that they they remember me and and came up with all those questions. So Absolutely. Yeah, there were they came from a number of sources. So you are remembered fondly and we look forward to having you back when we'll we'll calm the internet down for you a little bit. So yeah, <laughs> a little bit easier on your nerves, brother. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you have a good it's a morning there, so you have a good morning. It'd be a good night for me. So all right, man. Thank you very much. Take care and uh have a great Christmas. You too. Thank you. And have a good night. See ya. Thank you very much for watching and supporting this podcast. Enjoy your training.